I'm Riggs Eckleberry, co-founder, chairman, CEO of Origin Clear. The government needs to continue to provide a lot of abundant clean water. But what happens to it after it's used, when it's dirty? Do you know that 80% of all sewage is never treated, it's just dumped? That leads to water scarcity, but it also leads to a lot of disease and pollution, the ocean turning into something horrible. At the same time, the cities and counties are not getting the funding they need to really treat the water, and so they can't keep up. The solution is let the people who use the water clean the water. Water on demand is investment in actual capital assets that earn income. Sign up to hear my weekly briefing every Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Just put oc.gold slash CEO in your browser, register for the briefing, and I look forward to hearing more from you. And hello, everyone. Uh, <laughs> I'm still jury-rigging my audio here. Some, some setting is forcing me to um, point the microphones at the speakers to make this thing work. Uh, and Bob, you will hear about the hotel tonight. Yes, dear. <laughs> okay, so uh, welcome everyone. We're going to have a fascinating uh, review of what's going on, and um, let's let's have a party. Okay. All right. I'm checking my my phone because um, there's a pending announcement that I was hoping I was going to be able to show you tonight, but it's not. I don't have legal approval yet. It's freaking great news. Freaking great news. That's all I can say. All right. <laughs> okay, July 7th and uh, briefing number 168, which is going on three years since we've been doing these, um, these multimedia things. You know, we were doing, before that, I remember like back in, um, you know, 2012, 2014 and so forth, I was doing them with, um, you know, these broker calls on the telephone Thursday afternoons. That was kind of how it was going. But uh, I think this is better. Yes, there's a new beneficial working asset. And James Wright says, hi, Riggs. Holy cow, the link is working. Hurrah, after two months. Well, Lord have mercy. You know, I'm glad you debugged it. This is, uh, indicates that maybe we have a problem with some of our links. Glad you, glad you got there. Okay, we're in the news. Voyage Tampa Magazine. Don't look at all the pretty girls. Look down there. Look at the picture of this guy. Yeah, so um, got a little article here that was um, promoted by our agency. And uh, basically <clears throat> it's, you know, my story, which is about how I um, had this weird eclectic blend of nonprofit, commanding large ships, high tech, uh, and eventually of course, in this um, uh, fascinating water space. And then um, about some of my uh, learnings that I basically learned about undercapitalization. Um, which I, I'm very fortunate that I have the investors we have today. Um, and then, of course, I talk about water on demand and how people don't have to make put the money up front. And that is going to be a big deal, as I'm going to be talking more about. Persistence. We're most proud of our persistence. In, uh, we were not happy with the old school model. And so here we are in the uh, new school model of uh, doing things the modern way with a water as a managed service. And um, that we are busy building this and planning to go to the NASDAQ. Okay, now let's talk quickly about how um, things are going with the economy, with inflation, assets, et cetera. Um, and before we 
and I'm told that audio is soft. Let me just fix that right now. Um, here, I know what, I'll just come closer to the microphone. How's that, Bob? Are we happy? We happy in, in uh, chat land? All right. I assume yes, because I, I don't see anything. Um, but just quickly to cover the, um, the story about the, this premium hotel that we're providing incoming water for. And there was this big um, puzzle as to what was going on and how come it wasn't live and not happening. And it turns out that the uh, people who built the actual um, room in which the system is built it with these teeny tiny drains. And so they, they realized it's like, oops, we're going to have to fix the drains. Otherwise, there won't be any water getting into the hotel. Uh, that was not our job. That was a plain old plumbing job that was done by the contractor. So that's being fixed. Meanwhile, um, we do anticipate uh, launching this outstanding account um, because for a while there, we're like, we could understand what's going on. It's a very typical problem where, uh, you know, obviously we're not the developer of the real estate um, and sometimes things go sideways, but that apparently uh, Mark Stevens went there physically uh, this week and debugged it. Okay, so let's talk about economy, inflation, assets. How's this going? Well, let's take a look. First of all, I'm going to go ahead and play a little um, clip here. Where do we stand right now with inflation? Well, I think for a lot of Americans, their reality is being shaped by the really high inflation. Let's take a look at CPI, consumer inflation. You'd have to go back to the early 80s to see the type of levels we're seeing. The last CPI report came in at about 8.6%. Of course, we know under the hood of that number, it's really high energy prices, really high food prices, uh, the cost of new and used cars have gone up. Pretty much everything broad-based has gone up. The cost of shelter has gone up, which has some economists really concerned. So I think if you are an American at home, it's really hard, perhaps understandably, to feel great about the economy right now, even though there are some silver linings when you're getting hit so hard with inflation. Even personally, Anna, you know, I talk to economists and traders and analysts every day about this. And sometimes I find myself shocked when I go to the grocery store and look at prices and think, wow, this costs this now? And so it's, it's understandable. Right. Silver lining. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what silver lining CNN is talking about because... Um, it's a pretty painful situation for Americans are stuck with. Michael Gay had posted this. Here are the 20. Oops. Yeah. Thank you. I got to go back to the microphone in front of me. Here are the 20 largest S&P 500 drawdowns going back to 61. All right. So normally stocks and bonds go opposite. Stocks crash, bonds go the other way. It's called risk off. Risk off, meaning you de-risk yourself by holding treasuries. Here's what's crazy. Take a look at this. Only three times in history, well, I guess since 1984 in this chart, um, do we have bonds going lower. Once was in uh, 99, once was in 78, and here's the current one. Look at stocks and bonds are almost completely in sync. This is weird. So what's up with that? Well, very simple. It's the debt, stupid, right? So you add a lot of debt. You know, we, we thought we were doing a lot of debt in the mid-2000s, um, 2008, 2009. Ha! Ha! Well, you know, hold my beer, Lord. So obviously, um, debt is uh, being expanded at a ridiculous rate. We all know that. And in fact, look at what's happening 
the proportion of co- countries with high inflation has exploded. So, and it's the advanced economies. 85% of the advanced economies are in inflation over 5%. The actual emerging economies, not as bad, 60 some percent, 63% of them are in high inflation. So high, you know, advanced economies being in trouble. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that, well, we we're the ones who issued all, all the debt, of course. And number two, we've had uh, we're highly dependent upon supply chain. And so when that falls apart, we're not quite as able to fall back on our own resources. Okay. Now, here's what's interesting. People are working. There are 5.3 million more job openings than unemployed people. That's actually good news. Um, there is work. People are working. Unfortunately, wages are not rising as fast as they should uh, to compensate for the inflation. That's So perhaps this is the silver lining that people are working. But uh, if they're uh, frantically working and not taking the money home, that's a problem too. For example, um, 33% loss in purchasing power for real estate through the rise in mortgage interest rates. So all of a sudden, um, that home that I wanted to buy is a third more expensive. But guess what? We did get the message about need to bring things back, need to bring things back to uh, America. And that, I think, is a lesson. Uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, it's an accelerating trend. It is going to lead to a lot of um, construction, uh, manufacturing, and so forth here, uh, which is you know really interesting. This is uh, a picture of Intel's manufacturing facility in Arizona. Um, and you know we we really did something foolish when we outsourced you know our critical chips to China, and then China went you know sideways and is continuing to in fact. So um, this is actually good news, and I'm going to give you some more good news because I'm not about all bad news. Here we go. The U.S. is actually food safe. This is a great. I recommend this very strongly. Peter Zahan, amazing writer. He just issued a book called The Beginning of the End of the World. Um, but he is basically an analyst about energy, but more specifically, he's really into uh, understanding deglobalization. And so things are broken in all these different areas. But interestingly enough, the North American landmass is in pretty good shape. So that's actually really good news. Some of the small areas that are in, not in bad shape, like Australia and Argentina, Uruguay, um, Paraguay, places like that. But really, the U.S. is a net exporter. And um, furthermore, on energy, we know that when things go crazy with future risk, take a look at this. So you see risk areas here where the U.S. is likely going to stop exporting once we get over this craziness of giving away our strategic petroleum reserve to other countries. But you know we will, by necessity, stop exporting. Of course, Russia is already, that's already not happening. And then you have the bottom left there, that, that um, bracket is all the production that the Europeans are going to grab. And um, on the far right there, you have this huge amount going to China, which is in trouble. Uh, and he gets into how it's in trouble. And furthermore, of course, they've, they're, they'll lose the, uh, the Kazakhstan stuff. So if we take a look at uh, what the US has going on here, um, 3,100 barrels per day, plus 3,800 from Canada. But remember, that is um, tarry sour crude, and we don't have the refineries for that. That was a piece of bad planning. 
Um, Mexico contributes some. And so we have, you know, a chunk, basically, as much as Russia does, right? Um, not quite as much as Saudi Arabia does, but we're, we're right in that league. Um, so that's a really good sign. So let's take a look, though, about um, how assets are doing in the middle of all this. So what I'm trying to say here is after all this noise, all this stuff that happens and deglobalization occurs and all this crazy inflation tapers off or whatever happens to it, the United States ends up pretty self-sufficient and it'll end up being, I think, an island of survival. So that's really good news for um, those of us who are here. Now, let's take a look at assets. Real estate. Rent spikes are coming to an end. Why? Well, because, um, again, people's buying power is is uh, being sucked up by, you know, other things. So uh, there's only so much money to go around. So the ability to get uh, rents to go way high is falling off, even while inflation is rising. So it's a perfect storm, a squeeze for landlords, for example, where costs are rising. At the same time, rents can only be pushed so high. So that's a really tough situation. And then we have this horrendous graph. Um, biggest housing bubble ever. So here we have the value to income ratio, where the long-term average is 3.3 times versus, so that's the value is 3.3 times the income, right? Well, now it's five times your income. So that means they're starting to talk about generational mortgages, mortgages that people inherit. <laughs> Basically, your whole generations are just paying off the same darn mortgage. You know, it's pretty sad. It makes you want to look back at uh, 1974 there, less than three uh, on the value income ratio. So what does that say? It says that things are, you know, inevitably going to pop, bubbles pop, and we're going to see home values be in trouble. So basically, manage your asset risk as the U.S. will recover. So here's the thing is that we have an opportunity, and this is our mission, Ken and I have been discussing this, is to get people into this new asset class that is stable. Why? Because water just kind of serenely goes along. You need your water. There's no real ups and downs of water. Uh, it's a recognized recession-proof industry. And furthermore, it has inflation. In other words, the water rates go up. So you have some inflation protection. So it's a very nice one. And furthermore, it's just coming out of governments. So it's been with the government and now it's more and more being privatized. So it's the beginning of an asset. It's kind of like the, kind of like the beginning of the cell tower boom, right? It's the beginning of the water boom. Okay. Water becomes scarce at any price. This is a scary situation. Water wars uh, in Arizona a second decade of mega drought for the Southwest, not a pretty picture. And it's going to turn into the Hunger Games, <laughs> like scrambling for your toilet water every month kind of thing. Oh, Lord. They built in the desert. And of course, the places that were completely built out are now finding themselves short of water. The agreement that shared the Colorado's water was made at a time when flows were higher than they are now. And now it is not so pretty. So what do you do? Well, these properties were sold without a guarantee that the water would continue. And a lot of people opted to just go with hauled water. And unfortunately, hauled water got very political where um, uh, Scottsdale last August entered, um, 
guess late late 2021, Scottsdale became um, was entered stage one of its drought management plan, and it got worse and worse. And no more water hauling, not a good situation. So that's people are scrambling, and the neighbors are like, "Eh, you don't have water, too bad for you, right?" Not very neighborly, but it's what it is. So people are turning to private utility companies, right? So um, this co- this company Epcor is providing water privately, and um, people actually like working with private utilities. Interesting, isn't it? And of course, we now know that more, far more land was added than the ability to um, furnish water. And this is crazy foot, um, loopholes about 1980 law requires developers to secure 100 years worth of water for their projects. But guess what? It got circumvented. It got hacked. And so they're not really constrained by that. And finally, it's funny, but you know, um, people are able, still able to sell their houses because the people buying still don't believe that there's going to be water trouble in the end. And I say, well, not necessarily. Okay, so, but fear not, I'm going to end off with some good news, um, which you'll enjoy. The overall commitment for water resources in Everglades uh, for our four years was $2.5 billion, which represented a $1 billion increase over the previous four years. I'm happy in the budget I signed. We've actually done much more. It's going to be end up being about $3.3 billion over four years. That's more than double what had been done over the previous four years. That is some great news. Now, um, it's a what they call a tale of two cities, right? Uh, what does this underline? This underlines a very simple situation. Florida is very uh, lucky, or, or just did it right, that they have a huge budgetary surplus. This is not true of many, many other places that have giant populations, places like New York and Los Angeles. And so if you don't have the budget surpluses, you have a problem. So um, Florida is able to spend money, $3.3 billion on the Everglades, which is really needed because um, we can't have that become salty and messed up. So that is where we stand. And I'm going to ask Ken to come on and um, give us, you know, let's, let's discuss a little bit about this situation. I kind of uh, threw around the various pieces of this. Okay. On the one hand, Huge inflation. We know where it's coming from. The debt is a mess. The debt is a mess. Um, and interest rates rising, hurting purchasing power. At the same time, there people are working, a lot of onshoring going on. As deglobalization happens, I, I, it looks like there's going to be a period of two or three years of pain. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. you don't want to have is where your own portfolio gets nuked by those two or three years of pain, right? You got to be able to survive it. What I what I often say, and I, when I'm speaking to a lot of investors, there's two types of investors. Uh, there's investors that are retired and or have generational wealth. Retired and generational wealth doesn't replace itself. So it has to live off what it, it's able to produce, right? And then you have earners, right? So like I always joke, I could put my money into dirt bullets and crypto or gold, right? And I'll be okay because I'm earning money, right? And I'll get through the next four years and I'll earn my living and I won't, you know. So my, I could freeze dry my money in these, you know, portable assets, if you will. Um, but generational wealth doesn't have the opportunity to do that. They're feeding 
they're feeding families, right? They're, they're basically, you know, fa- family office money. And a retiree who might have accumulated several million dollars in his life is now eating up principal, right? Because he's not, and and that's not, and and he's liquidating principal at a time when it's the least advantageous to do so. So, very dear friend of mine, I just, I mean, an hour before this call. I, he's, he works for a, a commercial uh, real estate firm called Samson Morris. I won't I won't get his name because he says, you know, they don't want to get. But but they're a major commercial, regional commercial firm in the Pittsburgh region. Um, these guys are what he said to me is, Kenny, I've been doing this for years and commercial real estate is constantly churning. In other words, there was a mad dash for everyone to refinance their commercial properties about six months ago, trying to get all. He goes, originations are gone. They're done. No one's doing them. He goes, now. They're sending me to sites and they want me to buy the, I'm walking away from deals because I can't, there's no way I can service the debt with your rent rolls. In other words, they're trying, I'm going there and I'm doing, they want to sell a property at an eight cap. I'm sorry, they, you know, in other words, they want to, they want to sell it for a six and a half cap when it's really an eight or nine cap property now. But the, the reality yeah, uh, of not everyone understands that. Go ahead, tell me what that means. Um, so a nine cap or a six cap, so a six cap property, it's basically a ratio on how you can monetize your rent rolls. Okay. So the higher the number, um, the the essentially what it is 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 the is the lower the price of the building. Okay. Um the 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 end result is is that major, major, I'm talking $100 million commercial projects can't support the debt service with their rent rolls. The, here's the problem. Um, commercial real estate hasn't actually stopped, hasn't put down the pipe of whatever they're smoking and saying, okay, this property really is, they keep, no, 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 we're going to get 20, we're going to get 10 million. No, you're not. No, we're going to get 10 million. We're going to get, so I think by the end of this year, he, he told me by the end of this year, the smoke will clear. Like, in other words, they'll put down the pipe, whatever the heck they're smoking, and reality will set in on these commercial properties. And the problem is, is that there are a lot of folks that just bought or just uh, refinanced. Now, if you equity stripped, you're okay because you pulled out you pulled out a bunch of equity. You've got some capital. But folks who just entered this market in the, in the last six months to a year and some of these uh, assets, they're going to have a really hard time supporting. So my point is, I'm looking to buy a commercial building, which I told you for reasons, you know, why I explain. I'm an owner user. I'm okay. But if you're a, if you're a, um, if you're purely a landlord owner, right, trying to derive income and service your debt, it's going to be very difficult for the next couple of years. Okay. So what can they do? I mean, and and how can we help? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, So, I've always been um, I've always been a, um, a hard assets guy. It's very hard to ask people to to devote capital to something that won't pay them while they hold it. So what, what you and I have, I think, um, with a little bit of prescience, a little bit of good timing, and a little bit of luck, right? We've put together an asset class that will actually check the boxes. Um, instead of putting your money into gold, what doesn't pay, you put your money into an asset that will inflate faster than core inflation. We can argue what the real inflation number is. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not 8.9. It's not, you know, um, but we, we, we don't have to argue about it. Water inflates at four and a half times, 4.25 times the speed over the last 10 years of, of core inflation. So even if it's double that, by setting your utility rates 
at a discount of a 25% discount to what they would pay to either replace their water and or discharge toxic water, you're going to give the investors way the heck head start against inflation. Um, and that will happen. Now, look, no one's rooting for hyperinflation. We hope inflation collapses. But what would happen is, so would water prices. But the profit would still be there for the end user and the profit would still be there for, for the investor. So um, what we've done about it is we've created a brand new asset class that I believe will start out fairly modest this year. But once we complete that fintech application, the ability to rapidly move money, to replicate money, you've shown that, you've shown that graph where there's $43 million of, of, of um, consolidated revenues with all these business units running full out. And then there's the banking thing. And the banking thing is like this. It's huge. Right. Because bankers figured out a long time ago that all I have to do is take money from Riggs, lend it to Bob, and I charge you both. No. <laughs> 12 Bobs. Right. Well, right, right. Exactly. I'm, I'm right. Right. Exactly. I'm, right. So I'm going to Bob and Bob and Bob and Bob and Bob and Bob and Bob. But I'm taking your money. I'm lending it to Bob five times or 10 times or 12 times. Um, and every time there's a transaction that goes on, I'm making money. So by becoming the, see, look, our investors are always, they're, why, why, do, why do investors watch the Fed? Because their investments are subject to the whims of global economies and global markets. And if there's a war in Europe or, you know, so the reason our, our investors have always had the disadvantage of, of not being mega funds, they're wealthy individuals who want to get a little wealthier and try and stay ahead of the curve. Unfortunately, generally, institutions get in first, right? Governments get in first. Um, we demonopolized water. So when, when the baby, anyone who's old enough, anyone who's got silver hair like me, um, remembers when Ma Bell got broken up and the baby bells, they demonopolized the telecom industry. People who invested in those baby bells made, it, made an insane amount of money. When they, when, when they, when they created that, that cell tower market, that was the same occurrence. When you demonopolize a market, when you take it out of government and you privatize it, uh, there's always wealth. Now, generally, that wealth is concentrated with one or two folks that happen to be connected to government. You know what I mean? They, 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 they had, but what we've done is we fully democratized this opportunity, okay? And it was for, per, it was for very practical reasons, right? You don't want to go to the big money because then they own you right? Then you're back where you were. You're back to being a slave again. We opened it up to the private investor because first of all, it's, it's, it's who we know. It's who we know how, to, it's who we communicate with. But secondly, it's an opportunity they never get. Okay. Number two. And number three, it's that you talk about the middle class being where it's the most heavily taxed, the upper middle class and the middle class, and I would say the affluent class, not the Jeff Bezos's, but if guys worth between one and $10 million, we pay an enormous amount of taxes, okay? Enormous amount of taxes. Um, and the truth is, we're, the, we're that cohort that desperately needs the wealth that we've accumulated over the last 30 years to be preserved, but we don't really have access you know, you have to be part of government. So what we've done is we've we've democratized it and we've demonopolized water by privatizing it. We're not privatizing it by hoarding it. We're taking a resource that was controlled by government. We're opening it up to the private sector and we're allowing a major discount to the guy who is now can make it clean for cheaper. And instead of 
taking all of the wealth for ourselves, we're spreading it out among the, uh, the those that invest alongside of us. I think that's the the most layman type of way of describing it. Well, um, I think that that what we're trying to do here is get the word out as fast as possible, so that people you know can take you know can can hedge now. They need to hedge now, right? So here's a fear. Here's a fear. Um, the reason I'm doing this now, right, is because. I'm afraid that my stock positions, I'm using down payments of stuff I have in stock. I don't think it's going to be there. And I don't want to go to cash because if you go to cash, you're giving away 20% a year, right? right? So you're stuck. You know what I mean? You, you go into a cave and you wait and you wait out the nuclear winter. No, that's not really a, a good option. There'll be tremendous opportunities out there. The reason I, I really stress now is because the leverage that exists in the pilot stage of, a, of an opportunity is unprecedented. Now, normally that comes with mind-boggling risk, right? Uh, the early stages of Airbnb, Amazon, Uber, Stripe, there was 100% risk. As a matter of fact, Airbnb, the year before they went public, almost didn't because of right. COVID, right? You know, so that was an emergency billion-dollar fun, you know, funding event. Um, the difference with what we're doing is, is that although the, the pilot is early, um, there's the security of the asset. And then while, while this first 20 million is still happening, we're giving away one and a half times. Well, right now it's one and a half times um, their, their, their investment in, in a stock that already trades. And by being this incubator, and I don't think, I, I don't know if the news you wanted to talk about that you're waiting on legal is about that incubation stuff. Are we talking about that yet? No. No, no, no. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's about our sales growth. Okay. Uh, okay. Pretty astonishing. Okay, got it. All right, so I won't. So never mind. Um, In fact, so, you know what? I I, I can uh, I can show. I'll be happy to show our forecast page, and so we plan to uh, make an announcement of this at some point. If you take a look here, first half of 2022 closed out at 206 percent of first half 2021, which is now these are um, orders, right? These are orders. They're not revenue. They're simply purchase orders that we received. They're closed. It's closed. They're closed. They're in. Mm -hmm. um, but so that is um, some pretty amazing news. So the good news about what's going on here is that the company operating units are booming. Now, mm -hmm. is it because people have a use it or lose it mentality about their budgets? I don't know, but I'll take it. Right. Meanwhile, um, you're right that there's another piece of news that's developing. I don't think I'll be able to talk about it seriously until next week, okay. where our, our own ability to launch companies- Business units, yeah. Business units is itself becoming monetized. Right. And beyond that, I'm not going to discuss, but okay. this is very, very good. Okay. Very good. So, so, all right. So that'll be a lot of fun to talk about that next week, because I, I think that the implications or, 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 or the potential for that once, so it's like, what happens after these five business units are launched? Well, we're a much, 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 much bigger company, but the story's not over. The story's actually just begun, which is which is super exciting. So we'll leave it at that. Um, the the fear I have right now is that folks that wanted to uh, folks that wanted that actually committed to invest in water on demand um, got some of their investment done, and the other resources they were going to be pulling it out of because they were worried about them collapsed, right? I think there's more of that between now and the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So I really think it's time to rethink. I went to cash on a lot of stuff that I, I knew I was going to be taking a hit on 
simply because I'd rather have them. I wouldn't, I don't want the money in a spider web, you know, I'm just kind of waiting for it to come along and just get, you know, blasted. Um, I believe that when this kind of destructive cycle concludes, there will be widespread opportunity across all, across all sectors. However, none of them, not one of them are centered around the rapid global globalization, rapid scalability of what's necessary for all life on earth. Right. So I think we have a couple of advantages, you know, and I really think that while just so few people know about what we're doing, I do think that now that we've, we've launched on the, we, we can talk about uh, MSC, right? Well, we, we, we public we're, announcement has. We're to- up. Okay. We're, we're up on it. Okay. So now that we're, now that we have a national or international audience, um, as we begin to, you know, really start to magnify that message, I think that the average sophisticated investor understands intuitively that um, here's what here's what my friend said to me uh, in commercial real estate. Everything we've done for the last ten years does not apply here. Nothing works. Like all the tricks that we know to monetize commercial real estate, none of them work right now. Ouch. It, right? He goes so. We're freaked out. We're freaked out. Um, so we're going to be stuck in a owner-user commercial real estate market. No more. There's not. There's going to be for a period of time no buying commercial real estate to monetize as a landlord right. because the debt service is too expensive. That we don't even know what kind of effect that has on the market. That comes on the heels of of, of stuff being empty for two years because of COVID. We don't, you know, we well, just, and also the changes in work habits, for example, right? Right. People working from home. Well, some major companies are insisting people come back to work. I mean, you know, they're, they're, but that's not happening everywhere, right? No. Uh, the the, the stay at home thing is still being enforced by some of these suicidal um, cities. So uh, the the idea that we can provide something that is wildly beneficial to the planet, right? Um, but that doesn't have to be your motivation. The guy who invests in water on demand may be doing it because he just wants a safe place. He wants to grow and preserve his wealth like the big guys, right? He doesn't have to necessarily want to make the world better, but he's doing it even if he doesn't want to, right? And that's and that's really kind of a, a cool aspect of what we're doing. Well, with that, I'm uh, I'm very excited. And I think this is a very good time to let everyone know that if you want to talk to Ken further, here is his data, oc.go slash Ken is the best way to schedule him and uh, invest at originclear.com and he'll be happy to discuss it. I think that a lot of people are looking at the cash they have because we all keep some cash. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and like, well, what do I do with this? I don't I know. know. I know. And, and you don't want to just sit it there because you know you're losing buying power, right? You have to have a certain amount, but you don't have to have as much as you have, but you don't want to deploy it anything because everything you've done in the last six years, last six months rather has, well, I'm speaking of me, of course. Um, has not but has not. The good news is uh, what I got from these various slides I showed today was it will become better. Uh, there yes. will be recovery, absolutely, especially, especially for the United States because of our wealth of resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have a very strong consumer base, uh, food, energy, all those things. So it, it will work its way out, but it'll be very, very freaky. The and- fact that there are millions more jobs available than people working is a testimony to our strength. Okay. So I think once this demand destruction cycle is complete, there'll be green shoots in the meantime. um, 
find an asset that has safe haven potential during inflation. That makes it money. also has these very cool, you know, kind of cap, uh, you know, um, cap, cap appreciation plays, right? Which is what we put together. Ken, it's been fascinating tonight. Thank you very much. Just uh, really interesting times. Thank you everyone for joining us and um, be in touch with Ken. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, and remember, it all will come out okay. Sure. Good night. Peace out. <laughs>